Welcome to the Fabric Podcast, where we explore company culture and how it scales as a company grows. Brought to you by the team at The Receptionist, a bootstrapped Denver-based software company. Each episode of Fabric will set out to uncover unique and uncommon answers to the question, how do companies of any size create a culture and core values that employees actually live out? On this episode of the Fabric Podcast, we're joined by two of our co-founders, Jessica Marshall, Director of Customer Experience, and Dylan Berry, Director of Engineering. We talked today about the concept, is the customer always right? And Jess and Dylan share some insight on what they think that phrase actually means. We're willing to tell our customers no, but before we do that, we ask more questions, we empathize with what they're going through, and we really are collaborative with the customer and within our team to figure out if there's a solution, what that might be, and when that will take place. When dealing with customer requests, we always want to make sure that we communicate, that we're transparent, and that we do what we can to help the customer have a fantastic experience, but sometimes that does include saying, no, this isn't what the receptionist does. So stick around for today's episode where we talk all about, is the customer always right? We are so excited to be back on the podcast with Jess and Dylan. Jess, welcome. Thank you very much. Hi. Hi, and Dylan, welcome back. Thanks, Sarah. How are you? I'm good, thanks. So we're talking today about this idea of the customer is always right. Do we think that's correct? How do we handle that? And before we get into some of the specifics, kind of about how we feel and how we handle it, let's just start with this phrase, the customer is always right. What do you think about that? Uh, so the, the phrase, the customer is always right, from my perspective, has always kind of started in the service industry. And I certainly remember like being told that from my managers and my bosses when I started out real young, like I started as a grocery store clerk and it was always, you know, customer's always right. You got to do whatever's right for them or whatever they say. And what I sort of led and saw from that was uh, customers could tend to take advantage of employees in those cases, you know, like make weird requests of you and just know, okay, you're always going to do it because this business or this, this motto exists. And I've also found that like employees can can get burned out and frustrated by always having to put on a, a happy face, even with a customer that's treating them poorly because, you know, they have to be right. And then customers, I think also we, th- that phrase helped customers learn that if they were just loud enough and they were the squeaky wheel, like they would just kind of get their way. Um, so I think like my thinking around it has evolved over time. And mm-hmm. what I kind of do now is I apply like the customer is always right to have an opinion and to voice that opinion. And, but but it's our job to ask questions and figure out and have a conversation and dialogue with the customer um, in a respectful way that then it, what I found out is like opens things up to empathy with the customer and what their situation is. And then also gives you an opportunity to kind of articulate your stance either as an employee or as a company of how you think about things and how you treat things. Um, and I think it actually ends up leading to better customer service if instead of just doing what the customer asks every time, you're just a little bit more questioning, a little bit more conversational and and trying to form a relationship. So that's kind of my experience and thinking around the customer is always right now. Yeah, I think those are some, no. some great thoughts and perspective. Jess, what do you think about this phrase? Uh, kind of the same. Um, it sort of depends on the circumstance. It depends on where the customer is coming from at that time. We're very much a SaaS company. So it's, is it a feature request that they're looking for? Or is it a bug that they think they're reporting that isn't actually a bug, but was intentional? Or 
maybe they didn't quite follow the troubleshooting steps that, that we asked them to follow. So they still think it's a bug. Um, so it kind of depends on where they're coming from. And this sounds so strange to say from a support perspective, but nine times out of 10, no, the customer's not always right. What the customer may have is a really good idea or a problem that's very specific to their needs, but that problem doesn't necessarily translate into what we're willing to go down a path for our product on. Absolutely. So just since you are the director of customer experience yeah. and nine times out of 10, we might be saying no. What is your perspective when it comes to these requests and keeping the customers happy? I think Delin had a really good point and that was to really be more engaged. And from my perspective to like engage in a dialogue, if a customer feels heard, that makes them feel like they're right. If I hear your problem and I acknowledge that it's painful for you, that at least makes you feel assured. So our, our first point is, okay, I hear you, but then tell me more. Is this something that a bunch of our customers could or are experiencing? Or is this something that's very specific to your needs? Like if we have a country club that wants to integrate their chlorinated pool systems into visitor management, no, that's really not going to happen. But I can hear that that's a pain for you, gee, I'm sorry. So I, I think being able to have a dialogue and really ask deeper questions. Tell me more. Tell me why do you want it to work this way? Tell me why you think this is a good solution. Definitely. And Dylan, as the director of engineering, what's it like when you're dealing with our customers who've maybe been with us for a while, they're using the system, and then they think, well, I want it to do something different or something else from an engineering and development perspective. How do you handle that or look at it? Um, I think it, it goes back to just having conversations with people and trying to learn what problem they actually are trying to solve. And like one of the things I always uh, ask is like, tell me about a story. Tell me a story of when you tried to do that last time. And like, what did you do instead or in place of or to get around it? And because that helps me figure out like how pressing is this ask and how kludgy is their existing infrastructure to support that thing? if there is even any infrastructure, like if it's just something that they hope or wish, and it's like they want magic from the system, um, you know, it's a lot easier if they can try and tell you a story. But then they're like, oh, wait, you know, we didn't actually deal with this. <laughs> um, that helps us then learn, oh, it may, it may not be that large of a pain point. But if someone can do a really good job of articulating, you know, I had to go through steps A, B, C, D, and E, that then lays out our opportunity to come in and solve those problems for that customer, which then just endears us to them even more. You know, when you actually understand their pain and can deal with it, then then it really just becomes a question of like prioritization and how frequently do we hear that from other customers and whether or not it aligns with kind of like our vision for the software. And it may end up being that what we actually end up doing is recommending the customer do something else, like use another piece of software that's like geared towards that. But because we had that conversation, we now know how to best answer that problem and deal with that person as opposed to just saying, yes, we'll do it and set a false sense of expectation for the customer or just outright tell them, no, sorry, we're not going to do it. Right. I'll have to piggyback off of that and, and the magic comment because that's something that we do hear quite a lot is uh, a request that if you dig deep enough into it, what they're really asking for is truly magic or for 
a piece of software or hardware for that matter to read minds or to do something that technology can't do. Um, I mean, I've asked Dylan for an ESP module for, for five years now. We can't read minds. So it's very hard to code to read minds. Uh, so that's, I think, part of where the question asking leads to when you start to dig into, well, if it worked this way, how could we possibly know that that's what that customer was going to do or that visitor was going to do? You have to sort of lead them down the logic path that your mind has already gone through. Do you see how this isn't really going to work in the way that you think it's going to? You have to just dig in and have that conversation. Right. And it sounds like through that questioning, we're also able to find out, well, maybe the software does do something that you're looking for but they might be asking for something completely different. So some of this is helping them problem solve and using our support and customer service to find the solution that maybe already exists that they don't know about, but sometimes they are asking for something that is new and different. So how do we determine what is a feature request that's worthy of exploring versus just a one-off instance that we're ultimately going to say no to like that really exciting but not realistic ESP feature? I think I think Delin said it best, volume most specifically. The the more we hear the same thing, the more it rises in our, our product roadmap and, and we start to really dig in and, and ask even deeper questions of ourselves. Okay, this is a problem. It looks like we're going to need to find a way to solve it. These are three different ways customers have asked us to solve it. What's really the best solution for us? And that's where Delin and I really start to go down a debate path. And, and we debate back and forth and ask questions of one another. Well, have you heard this? Could you build it that way? The one-off solution, I mean, again, it's like the, are you going to integrate with our chlorine monitoring? So no, we're not. Um, and and we, have, we have a very specific product. I don't want to say product roadmap, but our VTO and what we use to guide the company sort of allows us to narrow down where our focus is going to go with the company um, and with the product. So for example, we've been asked a number of times for uh, um, billing systems and to be able to collect charges for for, um, our customers. That's not really something that we're interested in doing. Billing is a very, very tricky solution. We're just not a point of sale system. That's not what visitor management is for us. There are solutions out there. So you kind of have to weigh like, what are pains that a majority of our customers are having? And does that match up with the future we've envisioned for the company? Yeah, I would completely agree with that. Like it, it's really a combination of those two things. Like how, how frequently are we hearing something from a customer so that we're not just pivoting and going towards squeaky wheels? and then. Like what is our vision and direction for the product and where are we headed as the company as a company? What customers are we wanting to to help and service? And it it may actually be that that's something that, you know, that request isn't something that we're ever going to do. But because we know that, we can then take that back to the customer and work hand in hand with them to hopefully try and come up with either a, another solution for them or be okay letting them know, I'm sorry, we're not going to be a good fit for you. And maybe here's a so here's something else that is a better fit for you. And we're okay with that. And that helps us not feel like we're getting overrun by customers who just want things done their way. And, you know, it, it allows us to kind of be us and and not and be in service of kind of where we want to go and where we're headed and not be in service of tons of other people. I'll say too that it's it's so well received. Every time I've had to say, 
I'm sorry, that's just not who we are. The, and we do offer, I think Dylan mentioned, we do offer this is an alternative solution that's not us. We do try and help these people, even if they're not our customers. And there's, there's, that endears us to them, even if they're not ever going to be our customer. And no one has ever said, well, you know, forget it. Thanks so much. They're like, gee, thanks. Thanks for saying no. Thanks for not wasting my time and trying to make me a customer that I was going to end up being unhappy with you guys. Absolutely. You talk about, you know, being us and and being true to ourselves and our regular listeners know how important collaboration is in our process. You talked about how we work with our customers to try and figure things out, but are there ever challenges internally with determining if the customer is right and we should go down that path or if and how their needs should be met? Like pull back the curtain a little bit. Are there any challenges as we collaborate on these things? Often, I mean, as I said, Dylan and I have debates. We have really good debates because I hear the customer's perspective and he's trying to figure out how to code for that perspective. There, I, I can maybe only say once or twice in five years that I've felt very strongly this customer might be onto something and Delyn felt very strongly that they weren't in fact onto something. What, uh, what balances that out is we still continue to have the conversation and as those situations continue to arise, the conversation evolves. So maybe the first solution that was presented or that we debated turned out to be there's a better solution for it down the road. We continue to have those open conversations um, and debate the solutions around it. What's amazing is when I, I have a problem or my team has a problem that continually is a problem and we just keep having to do this work around and one Monday morning, Dylan will say, hey, that problem that you had, I just fixed it over the weekend. So it's not really a problem anymore. And that happens a lot. So the pain of the debate that goes back and forth with us uh, is always mitigated by the beauty of the solution in the end. And I, I think the, the thing that I had to add on that is we, we, we are very collaborative and it's not just customer experience and, and engineering like that happens with sales and marketing. And we've actually been going through this right now with uh, the changing times and COVID and everything like that. And like, what is our response going to be? And like, we've had, I don't know, countless meetings at this point with customers and with internally ourselves and like other research with other companies to like figure out where do we really fit in, in this new world that's going to be coming up. And, you know, we, we originally went down a few paths um, that ended up turning out to the customers were saying, we need this. And then like a week later, those same customers would come back to us and be like, oh, wait, you know what? Our thinking has changed on it. You know, So had if, if we had been like super responsive to things and like gone directions that people were initially telling us to go, we probably would have ended up in a, in a worse off place than had we like been a little bit more intentional, taken more time to talk to more customers, survey people. Um, have those internal debates of like, where where do we see us going as a company to make sure that what we end up landing on is something that is not going to just benefit us right now, but is going to benefit us in the future. And I think that's the, the real benefit of, of you know, taking a little bit of time to process and, and internalize and talk through some things before you just run and, and go. Right. And you did mention COVID-19, which as of the time of recording late May, we are still in what yeah. feels like the middle of what this will all look like and the new workplace. So with all of this going on and being very much in the front of our minds and our customers' minds, has that changed at all how we're handling these customer requests? Yes and no. Um, I mean, I, I don't think our processes have changed. As Dylan mentioned, we're still very thoughtful about what we're being asked to do. We're having 
a lot of conversations um, at a leadership level and across all of our departments. What are sales leads asking for? What are current customers asking for? And really digging in to debate whether or not it's a right now or a long-term solution and one that really could actually benefit our customers. Um, I think the only thing that's really, well, I'll I'll back up and say, we even ran a um, survey last week to get some feedback from current customers. What are you planning on doing? What's your budget for making any changes? What are the top five things in your mind on what your office is going to look like? We've always begged and asked for customer feedback. We want to hear what they want us to do. They help us drive our product. Um, I think the only thing that's really changed is perhaps the order of our, uh, our, our feature request or our product roadmap. These things have really risen to the top. So the things that we had maybe planned for this quarter have taken a backseat to more pressing features. Yeah, for sure. I don't think I have anything to add there. <laughs> well, I mean, we've <laughs> already job. done, uh, and Delin was uh, like immediately on top of expiring agreements which is something that we've been looking at doing for a really long time. And that, again, that was a Monday morning surprise, like, oh, hey, I did this thing that is actually going to help a lot. Um, And I think ID Capture went out uh, with the latest app release. So just those things are rising to the top quicker. Yeah. So as we kind of get to the end of this episode, we have sort of confirmed that no, the customer is not always right. And we've said a few times that we are willing to say no. So can you give our listeners some tips or hints or talk to us about how you actually say no to them in a nice way that doesn't make them dislike us, but actually, like you said, endears them to us a bit more? I think it's always good if you can say no, but, or not yet, or we agree with you, but it's not quite, you know, here's the time horizon around where, when we expect this thing to to last. and. If it's if it's something where you just know you're we're not a good fit, it's actually best to just be the hard no and be very honest and upfront and straightforward with people and not try and sugarcoat it because then like they they may get it. You may set an a false expectation with that person that, oh, they might do this, you know, for me because I asked. And then then they may sign the contract, come on, become a customer, and then be really upset, and you know, when when they thought, oh, this is going to be handled in a couple of weeks, and a couple of months goes by, and it's still not handled. And what you kind of did was set set them up for for failure, or set yourself up for failure. So always, I think, try to gauge where, like, be be on as honest as you can with customers with when you're letting them know about something that they've requested, whether that's actually in the roadmap or not. And I think it, it helps endear them to you in the long term because you're being upfront and honest as opposed to kind of sleazy and, and, and or, um, or 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 just trying to close the sale, you know, and win the business. Inauthentic. Unauthentic, yes. Jess, anything to add to that as um our basically director of keeping people happy? <laughs> no, <laughs> thoughts I mean, on I, dealing yeah. with the no. No, I think that that I think that's all really valid. Um, it certainly helps to be able to say no pretty immediately if it's if it's absolutely something we know we're not going to do. Digging in and asking those questions. Well, that's really interesting. Tell me more. We'll see what we can do. And then just being honest. I had a customer ask for something twelve days ago, and they came in today and said, "Well, 
what, where is it? Like, well, we're, we're much more careful than that. Um, and that's not quite a priority for us yet. We're looking at it. We've logged it. I promise we'll let you know. That's another thing we do is that when we file those feature requests, every one of those customers gets as a personal note from us when a feature is released. So they also feel very much like they were heard and supported throughout. But being able to say no, I think is, it's kind of muscle memory. You have to practice it. It's not easy the first couple of times to just say, gosh, no, we're not going to do that. But the more you say no, the easier it gets to say no. Absolutely. And so what I'm hearing part of it is the communication. It's also we're transparent about what we are doing or what we're not doing. And we want to keep everyone in the loop and yeah. let them know what's going on or perhaps what isn't. Well, Jess and Dylan, thank you so much for shedding some light on is the customer always right? And if they're not, how we can handle that. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Sarah. You're very welcome. Thank you. That was great insight from Jess and Dylan around the idea of is the customer always right? And hopefully you've heard some ideas that might apply if you need to say no to your customers and how to do that in a way that works for everybody. If you'd like more information, don't forget to visit us at thereceptionist.com where we have a two-week free trial with no credit card required. 